Welcome to Everyday People Podcast with me, Nyung Bo. I'm your everyday person whose mission is to give everyday people a platform to share their incredible story, learnings and life tools to inspire you to dream and live your best life. I believe that you don't have to be famous, turn over a million plus a year, have lots of degrees or be in a high position to have something powerful to share and leave a positive impact in your community. I believe the only prerequisite is that you are being you and you are living the amazing life that is meant to be for you. That is enough to inspire me to go live my best life. Will you join me on this journey of sharing, learning and living alongside everyday people? We are up to episode five and I've been looking forward to this one because I have Mitch Grigorsevich in the room. So we worked together for a builder and I just had to ask Mitch to be on this podcast because I love his energy. He's a really positive guy. He's inclusive, collaborative, opinionated, but he also has time to listen to you. So Mitch has been in the construction industry since he was 14. He's been an athlete since he was 10. It's in his early 20s that he's become more self-aware and intrigued by internal motivation. And I guess that's what he projects when he walks around the office or on his Instagram. He's just got this motivational speaker vibe, right? (laughs) So welcome, Mitch. (laughs) I know, nice to be here. First off, I want to know a little bit about your background. I know you're from Perth. You've only been in Melbourne for two years. Yeah, what was it like growing up in Perth? Yeah, I grew up in a pretty normal household, I'd say. I got a brother and a sister. Pretty lucky to grow up on a decent sized house back in WA. So yeah, just did all the things that kids do. They run around outside. There was no such thing as phones or anything like that for a kid back in those days. So yeah, I uh, was just outside the paddock playing with the animals. And yeah, so like I had a really, really good upbringing. I was real lucky. My mum and dad were super supportive of what I wanted to do. And my brother and sister, yeah, we all got along pretty well. Let's talk about when you started becoming spiritual and started working on yourself in your 20s how did that start I probably started intrinsically pushing myself in what I wanted to achieve when I was probably 13 when I started playing footy number one I started sacrificing things I started eating really healthy I started pushing myself a bit more in training and I started developing that little voice in the back of my head telling me to do more and to try harder or to do something better or to push yourself and I kind of developed really strong mental toughness from a youngish age is that from the coach? Is that from... No, I don't I don't know how it happened. I can't really explain. Like I just had this little internal drive to do better. Fast forward a bit. I stopped playing footy. I got injured and then I ended up getting into the gym. That's when I started what I thought was bodybuilding. But yeah, my first real eye-opening experience, everything just made sense to me in my head, was I did one show and I did really bad. How old were you then? I was 21. So you just started out in bodybuilding? Yeah. I'd been training for like a year and I did this one show and I did terrible. And I just remember standing there and looking at the back of the auditorium and just thinking in my head, I never, ever want to feel like this again. Like I never want to feel like I haven't accomplished or I haven't got the result that I wanted in my head. So I literally left the stage that day and the next day I started to prep for the next show, which was a year later. And I literally did everything in my power to push myself, to sacrifice, to train, to eat how I needed to for that entire year. And long story short, I ended up winning all the shows that I did. Mm. And it was probably the first time in my head that all the things that they talk about just unconsciously happened to me in that period of time where I kind of just went through all of the self-discovery and to push yourself to those limits, you actually really just find out a lot about yourself. Because no one else can do it for you. I mean, you can get all the help you want, but it's up to you at the end of the day to sacrifice, to do the training. To go to bed at the right time. When those people talk about like 
when they vision what they want to accomplish in their life and eventuates in front of their face. It really happened for me. Like I was thinking about winning every day. I was envisioning that and I was just working towards it and it, and it happened. So once that did happen, I took a step back and was, my eyes opened to the fact that, geez, this life is so open and there's so much abundance and things you can yes. do. And it just, so much it blew my mind. You can't really explain it unless you do something, unless you have a, like this crazy goal that you never thought you'd achieve, even though it wasn't even a big goal. Like I won this little show and I won another little <laughs> show. Like it wasn't huge, you know what I mean? But my grandma thought I had muscles. So I was like super pumped. So yeah, I look back. I did it subconsciously throughout the whole time I was doing sport, but I didn't yeah. consciously turn it yes. on and off. You know yeah. what I mean? And it probably was driven by how much you hated how it felt to lose. 100%. Yeah. That was when I consciously said, I never want to feel like this again. Like I would drive to the gym at 4am in the morning and have no radio on and just sit with my thoughts. And you talk to people that compete in bodybuilding or do anything like high level where they have to push themselves both mentally and physically, they do mm. get to it. It's almost a state of meditation when you're in that, you know what I mean? There's no outside factors that can kind of knock you off your focus, if you will. But you can even apply that to your normal everyday life, juggling work, juggling your home life and sacrificing things Absolutely. or making sure you have enough sleep, making sure you eat right, meditate. I have, and this is what I've done in my life, I've taken the values and the skills, if you will, of what I've learned from bodybuilding and being that type of athlete and I've put those into other aspects of my life, which has kind of seen me do well in other aspects. Got an amazing family. I attribute a lot to those guys of how mum and dad raised me and dad would always worked super hard. And even though he was super hard to impress, he still instilled this hard work ethic provider sacrifice. He would get up at six every morning. I wouldn't see him. He'd get home at 7.30 at night every night when I was a kid. So seeing that was just kind of instilled that work ethic in me. And then my mum was just super loving and the best and supported me in whatever Such I wanted to do. Such a good balance. That's what it is, yeah, 100%. And now I've got that same relationship with my girlfriend currently, Right. Once you're in a highly stressed environment, if you don't have that balance at home, you you won't be able to perform the way you need to perform. Like the mm. reason why I can do what I do sometimes is because I have such a good balance at home. Just everything flows real nicely currently. Yeah. Once you take care of yourself and your home life, that good energy spreads everywhere else. Mm -hmm. It's infectious. It'll spread to your work life, your friend life. I'm just thinking about my life, how work used to be difficult because my home life was difficult. But once I had my home life in order, I'm in a positive mood mm -hmm. and I put that good energy out. So then there's so many opportunities all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely very important to make sure every part of your life is doing well. Yep. What type of energy you portray out to the universe is what type of energy you'll receive. Yes. Like it is so, I know I sound all airy fairy and it's just, it's just so true. I've been in bad situations in my life. I've been in bad circumstances where I've been not a good person or I've been not feeling good about myself or not portraying any positive energy and nothing good happens when you do that. Yeah. How do you expect positive energy to come when you're putting out negativity? Yeah. You know, And you're able to say that because you have experienced both sides mm -hmm. and you're able to compare just like with the competing. You, yep. you can compare how you felt really shit and then compare to how you felt when you, when you made that change and you can say to yourself, I know I can feel like that shit again or I can do what I need to do to be in that other position and it's your choice which way you want to go 100%. and you know what the outcome is i always look at it like this i think tony robbins said something like this he said life either happens to you or for you you can make the decision on what way you go Ooh. with that your life is either happening to you and you play the victim oh yes you're in a situation and it's like oh i can't believe this is happening to me i can't believe this bad situation is happening to me or you can look at it as an opportunity to grow and say oh this is happening for me for a reason i've been changing my thinking like that lately when something happens or when I'm about to make a decision, I really think it's true because I'm like, 
am I going to make that decision and the universe is going to punish me because I haven't learned my lesson? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if I know what the consequence is, I shouldn't do that. So yep. make that second decision. And that's a conscious thing to do that. Probably, yeah, since I started learning about this stuff, just kind of being a bit more self-aware, like you don't understand how much your thoughts create mm. your destiny or your yes, future until okay. you actually put those thoughts to good use and actually see them in it like you can measure it so you put it in a situation where you are trying to achieve a goal and you are measuring your thoughts you are measuring what you're thinking about you are measuring where your energy is going and you can see the results yeah then you know how powerful it is oh, it's wow. a super 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 powerful thing i posted this on instagram the other day um, my favorite mantra that my life coach taught me it's where your focus goes energy, energy flows, flows. Yeah. and like you say you can measure it if all day um putting my focus on the, the negatives. You're only going to get negative. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you switch it. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel negative. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like yep. as in everyone goes through emotions. Yep. But then you can stop it and then change that focus somewhere else. You will see your day just changes just mm-hmm. based on changing how you think. Absolutely. When you talk about stuff like this, you can't be too judgmental on the way other people think as well. Like if you don't understand it, you're not going to get it if someone just says it to you. You can put that information out there and people are either receptive or not. People can choose to look within or do things consciously when they're ready because it's not easy to do. 100%. Because people are in a default mode as well Mm -hmm. and it takes energy and effort to get out of that default mode. Absolutely. It takes work. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's a conscious decision. You know, it's like anything, like learning to drive a car. When you first drive a car, you're like so focused on every little thing, like, oh, my God, I don't want to hit that. I need to indicate this. And then now you don't even think about it. You just drive. Same thing about your thoughts. Like when you first start having to change your train of thought, you need to – be conscious of every decision you make, be conscious of everything that's going to happen from those small decisions. And then sooner or later, you create those neuro pathways in your brain to focus and make those decisions seamlessly without even having to think about it. So I did tell you to bring in your journal. Can we start with why did you think you wrote in your diary or why did you think you started writing in your diary last year? I started writing in it a couple of years ago. Not this one. I had another one. It's just interesting. And even like reading it today, because I literally haven't, re- <laughs> I haven't read it for like ages, like six months. But I'll probably get back into it because it's actually really good to kind of document where you're at in your life and you can yes. kind of see. You, and this is what I'm talking about when you can actually measure how your mindset's mm, changed. Straight proof. away, it brings that mindset back. You feel exactly how you were feeling at that time yes. and then you can see how much you've grown physically, mentally, emotionally from that time. So yeah, You told me you met this spiritual guy. Yeah. Oh, he, was super, he was very spiritual and he probably came into my life at the right time. His name is mm. Montez. And he, um, yeah, Hi, he, Montez. Montez. <laughs> hey, Montez. What's going on, brother? He showed me journaling and stuff like that. He didn't teach me, but he opened my eyes the fact that writing your emotions down can trigger certain ways to deal with where you, what you're doing and what you're going through and getting things out on paper is a different way. It's a way of releasing getting certain tension and stuff, correct. I kind of did it for a bit and then I kind of fell off a little bit, but I'm in a pretty decent space mentally at the moment, I feel like. I'm definitely becoming more and more self-aware. And like when I say that, I'm only 28 years old, so I don't know how self-aware can you be at 28. Most people <laughs> say not very, but it's interesting how um, last two years I've definitely grown emotionally a decent amount. That's good. good. I'm not there yet. No that's one's there yet. What do you I mean? I don't reckon anyone it. will be there yet. There's no such thing as there. You're there when you know when to pull yourself back in if you're, you know, drifting. You know when you're able to manage yourself. Yeah. But they're kind but of like your little troubleshoots, you know what I mean? Life will keep putting things in front of you to grow from, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of course. You'll never yeah. stop growing and learning. So yeah. I kind of think of that as your self-awareness. Okay, let's leave out that. <laughs> let's go straight to your journal. <laughs> <laughs> so my journal entry was from the 22nd of the 3rd, 2018. I most eloquently wrote, no. (laughs) (laughs) There will come a time where your world will come alive, where every component, molecule and spiritual being in your body and soul will connect. 
all that seemed lost will be found. All that seemed far will become near. All that seemed clouded will become certain. You can't trick the universe to put people, experiences, challenges, and moments in front of you at the right time. It will just happen. Faith and love will provide you with the emotional backbone to uh, navigate through the lonely and daunting path of self-discovery. I love that so much because I can fully picture what you're saying, like the molecules. And <laughs> <laughs> I like being able to visualize what you're saying. Great stuff. I love that you mentioned love and faith because love and faith will heal the world always. Mm -hmm. To a so, certain extent. Yep, I, I agree. But when you talk about faith, do you just mean the universe that you've been talking about i would just say faith faith in yourself like yeah. faith in your path if you are destined for something you have faith that you will come and everyone can 100 everything everyone has whatever they need inside them it's never going to take more than you can give to get to where you need it i like that one it's so true though that's why i always say human beings are super amazing mm -hmm. we're complicated complex people absolutely and we all definitely have so much to give the next thing we we're going to look at was your book that you brought along and you've chosen minimalism by the minimalists I read this book about six months ago. I learned a few things in it. Some of the things were very broad, but I think minimalism is a term that can be used in so many different categories and so many, you know, someone can be minimalist and materialist in the same category, I believe. I think you can be everything. Yeah, 100%. You don't have to be, well, I'd use the You can't be, have to be extremist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. can be a little Extreme bit minimalism is very, very tough. And even the people, the guys that wrote this book said that their extreme minimalism is like super, like that's literally like the clothes on your back, that's it. You just yeah. float. You don't have any possessions holding you down. You don't have any anchors in your life. That's a big thing they talk about, anchors. Yeah. To me, for my life, if I was to do extreme minimalism, it is not sustainable. No, no, I'll probably no, no. crack. Yeah, I need like high-end clothes sometimes <laughs> or like a, a good bit of food and, you know, expensive puppies. What are some things you've learned that you want to share or what have you implemented casually? I haven't really implemented anything. I did the one thing where you had to throw out one thing a week or something. Oh, how you yeah. did that? Yeah, I did it for a little bit. When I moved house, I threw out so much stuff. I threw out like 70% of my clothes. Oh, when I say throw out, I donated them. We didn't take too much furniture. Like me and Rachel's house is just pretty chill. Like we don't have heaps of expensive TVs or anything. Like we've got a good TV because I've got to watch the Hawks every week. But <laughs> we don't have any crazy lavish. Are they all brand new or secondhand? I bought pretty much 70% of them secondhand off Facebook Marketplace. We don't have any expensive lavish things. Like we value experiences. That's one thing that me and Rachel have a very much in common. We value experiences um, That's making over, me smile over things. so much. Oh, you guys are so cute. We um we're going to Europe in three weeks, so gonna make um make some more memories. Last year we trekked Nepal, went to Annapurna base camp. Sorry, can we go back to minimalism? I still want to be on that topic. <laughs> I want to share something too about minimalism. So when I first started working construction, I lived in Bendigo, so I moved away from my mum's house and moved to Bendigo, and then I had to move back after the project was done, mm -hmm. and then I moved out again. So like during that process, just like when you were moving out of your other home, mm -hmm. that's when you're like, oh my god, why do I have to pack so much stuff? Because packing is so tiring. That I'm like, you know what? I know I'm going to move around a lot because of projects, or mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to work on another regional project. So that's when I decided to get rid of stuff. Mm -hmm. My last move was so much easier. The second thing about the traveling. So one thing I'm proud of that I did when I was traveling with my ex-boyfriend was that between us we traveled Europe for a month. Between us, we only had one suitcase. That's pretty good. And the reason was we're going to be it's on the bus, and you know, we're going to like go upstairs a lot, and we don't want two people having to watch our bags when we're on bus. That's pretty good. That's some stuff that I've learned just because. 
life is harder mm. when I've got so much stuff, especially when I move around or when I travel. So mm. maybe you and Rach could try that. Just one suitcase between you two. Nah. <laughs> nah. She's got too much hair gear that she does bring. Too much makeup and stuff. <laughs> we need room for our shoes and stuff. So One down thing about having one suitcase is that my ex-boyfriend had to carry the suitcase by himself, like up so many stairs because Europe, they don't have elevators. Sorry, yeah, lifts. No. Yeah, they don't have And then he there. pulled a muscle because he was just carrying that one suitcase <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, like be a minimalist between the couple and have one suitcase, but take turns. So he was extremist and you were just chill. He was being a gentleman, mate, carrying the suitcase and oh, not realising that he was going to pull a muscle. <laughs> That's one thing that amazes me about Europe that they don't have. They don't care about DDA access. To be compliant when we're building these days, you need DDA access. But in oh, Europe, they don't God. have that because they have a lot of history and they have heritage buildings. Yeah. So basically DDA, DDA access, is, access yeah giving disabled access Mm -hmm. so here we'd have the lift or the ramp Mm -hmm. on a specific degrees at a specific width with a specific (laughs) slip rating thank you oh my god thank you don't you reckon the ramps are the ones that we have to really make sure it's right because oh i've had some good ramps (laughs) the issues that gets picked the slip rating will get you i tell you so what slip rating do you remember i've tried to see this is what i've done i've mentally taken this out of my mind so it doesn't (laughs) and what is the slope so what's interesting is that you're a guy who's into the spiritual stuff mm-hmm. and I don't meet many guys like that. What's your experience like with other people when they find out about this side of you? So many people are going to listen to this and go, I didn't even know that about you. I don't talk about it openly, you know what I mean? Like unless someone tells, like unless I kind of feel something from someone else mm. or it's not, a, it's not an openly discussion because – like I said, when people don't understand, it's kind of like a one-ended conversation anyway, you know what I mean? So in terms of how people deal with it, like my Instagram and stuff, I go through stages where I'm super intrinsic and like super focused and narrow and writing stuff every day, things come to me. That's one thing I don't do. I don't fake the things I write or anything like that. Like I don't, I love that. I don't manipulate the creation of content just for the creation of content. I write it when I want to write it. I or, love that so much. I think I'm the same. And I'll be honest, like I haven't been through a super crazy creative patch in the last probably like four months. But yeah, like I go through I go through stages where I could easily write like, a, so, like an essay every day about So why do you think you have that value of not manipulating what you're putting out? Because you just want to be genuine these days. These you just, days. You have to be genuine because the way that the world works with like social media and everything, everything's out there. People are going to find out things, you know what I mean? Like how many times have you been disappointed when you meet someone in real life that's not like their social media page or mm. I, I just want to be genuine, you know, be as transparent as I can, especially yeah. when you're coming across talking about this stuff. Like you don't want to fake this stuff because out of anything you want to fake, it's not this because, you know, talking about this kind of thing and mental health and all that type of stuff can really change someone's life. So you don't want to play around with that and be disingenuous in those, in those situations. Mm. I mean, yeah, I cop shit from the boys. Like, if they find out, they'll be like, bro, <laughs> they'll be like, man, that's some wacky stuff you're talking about, man. But all fairy dust and stuff. But nah. <laughs> I love it. It's really comforting to know um, there's people in my workplace that is airy fairy, a little mm. bit like me. Yeah. I don't feel alone in this journey. Oh, <laughs> look, I think the biggest thing you can look at is all those like super successful people, all the big names that you know about, all the movie stars, sports stars, everything. All of them are well in touch with their inner self. They're all super self aware. You can't get to that level if you're not. You just can't. There's too many distractions and there's too many things in life that'll come up that you won't be able to get through if you're not like this wow i haven't heard it like that before that's so true i know you're this really positive guy and you've shared a lot of positive stuff but how about your struggles is there a struggle that you've been through that's shaped this part of you or that's triggered this positivity yeah so i guess like being able to be in the mindset i'm at now has only come because i was being in bad places before and had not great thoughts running through my head and i've had a really toxic relationship previously which led down the road of you know substance abuse to a certain extent i was actually prescribed antidepressants which is you know yeah 
I had acute depression. Okay. Yeah, I basically just had a really bad situation in my life where I just was in a really toxic relationship. Pretty much everything left me in regards to all my skills that I'd acquired. And this is why this stuff's so important. They leave you if you don't work on them. Yes. I lost all self-control of like what I was thinking and how I wanted to behave and what I was doing in my life. Yeah, for a good six to eight months. This was probably when I was maybe 25. I just went through a really bad patch and prescribed antidepressants. Mum and dad were super worried about me. This is when I was still back in Perth. And yeah, basically was just ready to end it. Didn't want to be here. Didn't want to, you know, try to get through things. This was after I'd been through this awakening. So that's even worse because Mm. I knew how I should have been feeling and I wasn't feeling like that. And I didn't really have the strength at that time to pull myself out of it. And I used to have have to force myself to have these antidepressants. And then I just got to a stage where I was like, no, stuff this. I'm not doing this stuff anymore. I'm going to get myself out of this. And then Yeah, I I like that you mentioned that you can be awakened and you can pick up all these tools, but you can lose it again Mm -hmm. if you don't keep up the consistency. Yeah. And it reminds me of a book that I read recently. It's called The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby. She said that when she was 16, like she meditated when things got really tough because her mom influenced her to, mm-hmm. to do that. And then during her like young 20s, kind of like you, she went through a toxic part of her life and she forgot about meditation Yep. until something bad really happened. Mm-hmm. And that's when she turned to it again and she realised, oh, my God, I need to keep this in my life. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it sounds normal. Yeah. But the biggest that, thing is to not yeah. beat yourself up about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like everyone goes through those patches and, you know, self-love and being self-aware is so, so important. And, you know, understanding that everyone needs to go through those patches. Everyone has their shortcomings. Everyone has those things that they've been through in their life that are shaped to where they are today. So don't shy away from them. Kind of open them up, you know, show them to people. And this is how you, this is who you are. This is, this is how you became who you are. You're not going to become um, any type of person without going through struggles and kind of learning. With, uh, a smooth sea never created a skilled sailor. That's a good one. <laughs> Quotes. No, I read heaps of stuff. You know? like, the only one I know is something to do with teaching someone how to fish. Oh my god! Give a man a oh my god! See, Give I, a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Or teach a man a fish and yeah. he'll eat. Oh my god! That's oh, my no. favorite one, actually. That's true, though, too. Like when you want to help people, you can't help them by doing it for them. You, you know, you could use them. that. You could use that into my situation and mm. go. The antidepressants they were giving me were the fish, and they were giving me the fish, but mm. they didn't teach me to learn how to get out yes. of that situation myself. That's a juxtaposition you can use right there. That's what made it so hard for me because yeah. I've been through the situation where I'd been so mentally strong and then I kind of broke. Let's get our energy up. For, I'm already pumped, man. For, I'm ready to rock and roll. Like. For the five quick questions that I have for you. All right, let's go. I really need help with this one. So name a morning ritual that sets you up well for the day. First thing I do when I get up, number one, I always have my morning shake where I have fiber, lemon, apple cider vinegar, big glass of cold water with this in it. And a gut health supplement, oh which God. gets me in a good state of mind early early in the morning, gets my body ready to rock and roll, makes me alkaline, which makes you digest your food better, gets your digestive tract active early in the morning. That's a big one. And then I usually do a, some form of meditation when I'm driving to work. So I listen to a podcast or I just literally don't have anything on. I just kind of sit with my thoughts and that's a good half an hour in the morning, which oh, is really sit good. sit with your thoughts while you're driving. Mm-hmm. If someone cuts me off, it kind of, I do yell at them and then I get back into my and thoughts. But what do you mean by you sit with your thoughts? So when you're driving, you're having thoughts and you're letting it flow through? Mm-hmm. I just let what I'm thinking in my head just go through and through and just huh. kind of assess where I'm at with the day and what what I need to, like where I'm at mentally and emotionally so I actually don't like seeing my thoughts while I'm driving because it's usually just worries so my form of meditation when I'm driving especially at Warrigal which is an hour and a half away mm. is 
just looking outside the window and appreciating beautiful sky, beautiful yeah. horizon, um, the trees. Gratefulness, gratitude, big one. So that's Huge my kind one. of meditation when I'm driving. Like I cannot sit there and think, mm-hmm. listen to my thoughts for an hour and a half. That's freaking going to drive me mad. Yeah, I don't drive for that long. But gratitude in the morning is huge for me as well. Straight away I have to take the puppies out because the puppies will wee and poo in the house. So I have to <laughs> run them outside. But I'm always super grateful. I take a big deep breath outside. At the moment it's nice, crisp, cool air, which is Ooh, good. Yeah. Go back inside, get dressed. Kiss Rachel on the cheek when she's still asleep. Make sure I say goodbye to her and that I oh, love her every so morning sweet. and then head off to work. What's one thing that you try to do often for your relationship to keep it alive besides kissing her on the cheek every morning? <laughs> oh, I send her a message every single morning. Mm. I send her a long essay, some cheesy thing <laughs> like every that's single showing morning. showing gratefulness and that's being conscious in your relationship. 100%. Having communication is huge. Mm. Like me and Rachel are very, very connected in the way that we communicate, which yeah. is good. Like I think that's, that's really, really, nice. really important in, in a relationship, being yeah. able to be on the same wavelength and the way you communicate is, is super important. And always do at least one activity together every week. Look, I've been with Rachel for over almost 18 months now and mm. I'm the happiest I've ever been, so it's good. I can tell. <laughs> okay, what is your favourite meal prep? Because I'm always seeing you in the office with like freaking 10 different <laughs> boxes of chicken. Everyone always and- says I spend all my time in the kitchen, which is <laughs> such a lie. It's such a lie. I, I spend all my time at my desk doing my work like a conscientious employee. <laughs> I love food, so it's got to be delicious as well. Oh, I don't eat I don't eat for taste, I okay. eat for purpose. Nah, I, I'll tell you what I eat. I make a pretty good chicken baked in the oven, sweet potato baked in the oven, Yum, I love roasted Pine nuts, sun-dried tomatoes, feta, and rocket. That is epic. You do that. I keep talking about your positive energy and positive vibe. So what is the one thing that is the foundation of how you live your life? I just want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do stuff that I don't like to do. So that's what I I took that from the minimalist book as well. Like Mm. if something doesn't make me happy, I won't do it. 100%. If it's a long-term happiness, long-term happiness, that's what I'm after. Number one, become self-aware. Number two, realize what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And then do that for the rest of your life. Like, it's hard sometimes though because, okay, so that's where you've got to differentiate because sometimes you've got to do things that in the short term make you unhappy but in the long term will make you happy. It makes you unhappy but you can change it. Yeah. You can change it. At the same time, you've got to realize you, you have the power to change it. Yeah. Yeah. Last one actually. When things get tough, what is one thing you can do for yourself that will get you up and running well again? Go and train. But you can't train at the moment, remember? I know. Because you've got an injury. So what is one thing besides training? I could go for a walk. Yeah. Fresh air, nature, and then set some form of short-term attainable goal because just having that goal will kind mm. of reset yourself a little bit. So when you when you have a purpose, you're obviously always more driven. So if you're kind mm. of going through life without purpose and stuff like that, your body doesn't have that motivation to achieve anything, you know what I mean? So – Having a short-term goal. So if you're ever in a rut, my best way to get myself out of a little rut is set a short-term goal that I'm going to achieve in one to two, three weeks. And when you achieve it, boom, you get that little burst of self-achievement. You know what I mean? So you I, kind of, And then you kind of shift yourself back into that. I, I can super do relate because yep. I went through a rut the other day. Mm-hmm. And my short-term goal without realizing because I'm doing podcasting was that I need to edit my episode. Mm-hmm. And I made time for it just because I knew I had to start releasing this. Yep. And I finished editing and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so good about myself. I'm so proud of myself I'm in such a good mood. So I totally agree. Thank you so much, Mitch. I had a lot of fun chatting to you. We should do this again. <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> you love talking. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. You've just listened to the Everyday People podcast with Nyung Vo. 
You can find out more about Mitch via his Instagram, Mitch G Fitness. Listen to more episodes of the Everyday People podcast with inspiring everyday people on iTunes or Spotify. You. <laughs>